Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. This guy's singing that old, don't know value. Welcome to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all of the ways and all of the things that it takes uh, to increase your value to your customers. Today, I am thrilled to have Duncan Blowers, who's currently the managing director uh, for the U.S. subsidiary of Henkelman Vacuum Systems. Duncan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Mark. Well, um, Henkelman Vacuum Systems, uh, if, there, if you've ever seen a vacuum sealed piece of food in the supermarket with that heavy plastic and all the air sucked out, that's basically the, the, the equipment that Duncan's company makes is the company that um, you put the food in a bag and it sucks the air out, seals the bag and um, prepares it. Now, it happens to be used for more than supermarket packaging. Isn't that correct, Duncan? Tell us about all that. All sorts, yeah. And so I would say that uh, our biggest markets are food production, you know, food, serve, food production and what you'd see in retail, in grocery stores, uh, but also in food service. And then outside of that, um, all sorts of stuff, uh, anywhere from um, in the pharmaceutical industry to we even, you know, sell a machine for money packing things like and then you know it's kind of you know we get lots of uh, requests actually on sort of a weekly basis and it's all sorts of things that you never would imagine we had one the other day that was uh, wanted to put a vacuum seal a um, kevlar arming armor to put into the back of back school backpacks so it's uh it's very interesting yeah wow yeah that's that's crazy very creative um so you and I met, I don't know, uh, did we meet before COVID struck? Just before, not too long before COVID struck. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. Six months yeah. to a year before COVID struck. And um, I was struck with how much your business changed during the lockdown. And so can you give us a little um, history or, or recount that those awful first first months when uh, the world had changed? And yes, what was happening absolutely. before? Absolutely. So, I mean, I, you know, Henkelman uh, as a whole, you know, is the, you know, arguably the world's largest manufacturer of in-chamber vacuum systems. And I won't go into detail and bore everybody on what that means, but just to give you a sort of a 50,000 foot view. Um, but, it, it, you know, and globally, very successful company. Um, but the U.S. is almost like they're the, the uncharted territory for them. And so about five years ago, six years ago, they opened up a facility here in the US to really sort of make headway into, into the US market. Um, and so, uh, first of all, starting in food service and vacuum packaging and food services it's in, in the US is still much of, very much of an education. So that's where we started. And we were sort of out educating the market on the benefits of you know, reducing waste, extending shelf life through using this, this technology as well as, you know, other benefits, but those, those really are the main ones. Um, and we, you know, we were starting to make good headway in the market. You know, we'd set up a good distribution network 
Um, and then, uh, and then fast forward, you know, to, uh, just 18 months ago, uh, I remember I was actually at the international food show, restaurant show in New York, you know, and, and, and that was when the, you know, the wheels were really starting to come off the wagon. You know, people were starting to hear about COVID more and more. And there was, there was another trade show going on at that time. I think it was in February last year, maybe March. And then that had cancelled. They'd cancelled the show, and then the attendance was bad at the particular show I was where I was at. And so, you know, scurried off back back to Chicago that night, um, and the flight was half full. And then, um, yeah, we went into full lockdown. And I have to say, Mark, that the the next sixty days uh, were a little scary. You know, numbers went numbers went down. You know, food service being a primary market at that time um, was was hit big time, you know, um, and, and the phone stopped ringing and the sales went down. And so, uh, we knew that, um, so, so, so then after that, after we sort of accepted the new reality, you know, we said that I, I you, now this is all sort of coming out, what's going to be happening. We could be in lockdown for a while. So we decided we needed to make some changes here in the U S I mean, we needed, we needed to make them quickly. So we decided to, you know, we, we, the decision was made that when looking at the business, that there wasn't any real dates to when we could get back out, when we could get out, our distribution could get out, our manufacturing rep reps could get out and see customers. Um, we just didn't know when that could happen. But what we did know was that more people were accessing social media than ever before. So we had to find a way to be able to communicate with our customers that, hey, we know you've got a, there's a situation. We know we've got a real problem. You know, here's a solution. And vacuum packaging, you know, is a solution because, you know, you talk about they needed their product, food, to go further. So here, you know, so how do you do that? Well, one of the ways of doing that is through vacuum packaging because vacuum packaging extends the shelf life of product. You can actually vacuum package something and freeze it without it freezer burning. So there's benefits there as well. So we decided to invest in a lot of content. So we created a bunch of video content and we decided to start, you know, just basically sending out small messages on a weekly basis just to remind people, here are some benefits, here are the benefits, here are the benefits. And, um, you know, and then the restaurant business changed as well. And then how people, uh, how schools needed to feed kids, that changed. And, you know, I have to say that in some ways, AR message, I think, was right, you know, um, and B, the, the the fact that the pandemic sort of helped us because it sort of said everybody wanted packaged foods and not only are we packaged but we're tamper proof as well so that is a huge lesson that this huge horrendous shake up this this dislocation of the entire world it wasn't a dislocation of a market it was a dis dislocation of a planet <clears throat> you figured out you you looked a little bit deeper and found out that the changes you had been trying to make the changes that your customers the ultimate users had to make uh you were accidentally standing in the way of the changes they had to make but it called for some change management and some awareness creation to get people to realize that what henkelman makes is actually a solution to the biggest problem that this pandemic has introduced to you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, and, and we, and it was almost like it was an opportunity for us sort of laid out. Um, and we just had to get the right message. And I think we had to be very sensitive, um, very sensitive to what was going on in the market at that time, because, you know, there was a lot of restaurants that went out of business, just, just couldn't make it. And, uh, and, and so we wanted to not overwhelm people with information, but just to sort of say once a week, look, you know, here is a solution. You know, this is what you can do with, with, with our vacuum packaging. It's not only just for shelf life. You know, you can do all sorts. You can package all sorts of things. And this is how you can package them. And this is why you would package them like this. Yeah. So we just sent out lots of, we'd like, like to keep the video short. You know, when I say short, ideally less than a minute. Um, and so it was easy then to, to be able to re, be reposted, reposted. Um, and knowing that this was the only way that we, at the time, particularly early on, the only way that we could really get a, a very good message to people. Yeah. So now let's go down below, go down to the next level below the 50,000 foot level we've been talking. When, when you vacuum seal a, a food item, there's some results that happen. And you've talked about increased shelf life and, and longer storage time, but you've also got um, the ability to, to package those things in portion control. So rather than storing an entire evening's worth of uh, food in one big pail and a walk-in freezer, you can store individual portion packets, take those out to order, and keep everything in the walk-in cooled until you get an order, or keep them refrigerated until you get an order, which means that your that, that restaurant's responsiveness to orders without having to spoil extra portions that may or may not get used that evening or that shift, um, that changes. Um, some of, and then I think you've talked a little bit to me about some of the labor savings in the actual prep and the, the reduced need for as many line cooks. Is that it, correct? It, yeah, ab absolutely. So tell, yeah, tell I mean, us yeah, about that, those restaurant outcomes that it's not just about uh, shelf life, it can now suddenly about op be operational efficiency. So walk through that for for everybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think some of the some of the other ben as you say, you sort of peel back that, the layers. Some of the other benefits that you get from that is, first of all, you would only need to prep because of the shelf life. You only need to prep once a week, so you could have a prep day on say a Monday. So they come in and they do all the prep for the whole week, and they portion out whatever it is. You know, whether it's guacamole. Um, to the marinating of the of chicken breasts, they can they can package it, prep it, and sorry, prep it and package it into individual portions if they want, or smaller portions, and so they know that they and then and, and then they can just pull it out when, when needed, instead of said making one big batch every single day and using that and then potentially throwing that away. So um, that's a huge kitchen efficiency right there. So it's, it's a huge labor savings when you have that organization at the start of the week. The other benefit is, you know, because you're prepping, say, for example, you're not prepping once a week, well, then you can get food deliveries once a week or once every other week. That means you buy in bulk. Um, you also can buy in season. You can buy strawberries in season. You, can, you could buy strawberries in, in the summer. Um, you could clean them. Uh, uh, clean them, uh, um, portion them, package them, and then what's called blast freezing. Them. 
and having you know a vacuum packager and a blast freezer you then buy stuff everything in season and you blast freeze it so it's basically now packaged professionally and safely and it's almost and then when it's and when it's brought back to temperature or um you know defrosted it's almost like it was bought you know bought that day so it's it's sort of sealed in in its state so these are all the benefits. These are the, the other benefits that, you know, people don't, we don't really talk about as much as the sort of just the general shelf life uh, and waste reduction. Um, but that's, so you buy in, you know, on, um, once a week, for example, and then that day you do all your prep. And then therefore throughout the week, everything's prepped. You don't need as much labor. Yeah. You ask a chef what the, you know, the biggest challenge, their biggest challenges are. And then most of them, from, from my experience, we'll say uh, labor and timing. And so this organization makes sure that the chef then knows, you know, what they need, what they need and who they need for the remainder of the week. Let's, yeah, let's dig into that labor savings because uh, during COVID, there was a huge problem with labor because labor was always one of the biggest or the biggest cost item in a commercial kitchen of any kind and saving labor during that lean time and became not just a nice to have it became a, a mode of survival i had somebody back in my old sales training days who ran a huge a commercial sous vide kitchen so they would do sous vide for restaurant chains all over the country and he was trying to get the the contract with chilies for their ribs and what what and so he walked through this with me and and uh tell me if this is if you've got a better story than this let's use that but um in every chili store that's their signature recipe so they can't run out so they get they prepare too much for every shift on purpose and they start with the racks and racks of raw pork ribs and they do a, several hours of prep uh every at the beginning of every shift and he was going to say we can sous vide pro, basically pre-cook these ribs in vacuum sealed plastic and then refrigerate them so that they are ready for you to cut you know to pull a portion out of this packaging warm them up to order with the sauce and prepare them with zero waste. And so not only is there lower labor in the kitchen uh, and the labor has been moved to a commercial sous vide factory so that the total labor content is much, much lower, but there's no cross contamination of that raw pork in a regular um, kitchen in a, you know, in a strip mall. or in the pad next to a strip yeah. mall. And so the all of the risks go away uh, from food cross-contamination, the purposeful over-preparation of your signature dish uh, and the waste that goes along with that goes away. So there's less labor in your kitchen, there's less waste, there's less risk, all of which happen when you're able to have one of these systems and cook sous vide, which is, uh, a great cooking method it was it was kind of a big trend here in the states uh among foodies but it's actually um been very prevalent in in other parts of the world because it's such a a great food preparation technique yeah i mean i you know a big a sous vide is a big part of what we do um and it is it really you know i think uh it's making it's making a comeback here in the in the u.s um it's become quite trendy recently 
But from what you're talking about, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of restaurants now are, are getting into sous vide um, and they are pre-cooking everything sous vide because the great thing about sous vide cooking is you, can, you can't overcook it and you can hold, you can hold these products in a, in a, basically it's a, you know, for everybody listening, it's a hot bath. That's what it is. And it's fair. And it's a hot bath that's kept at a very accurate temperature. And so whatever temperature you cook at, that's exactly what it holds that, that product at. and meat is a great example of that. So you can hold a steak, you know, I would, um, you know, I think medium is 130 degrees Fahrenheit. You yeah. can all around that. I'm a rare guy, so I know yeah. that that's 119.5. Yeah. yeah. So, so, or, you know, or, I mean, so, and that's a great point. You know, you're more and more steak restaurants now are moving to sous vide, you know, and the reason they move, do they, the main reason they're doing that is to reduce waste, not on the, not, and not as we would think on the, on the, you know, uh, the cooking side. It's for, it's to stop stuff coming back, right? There's the, there's the benefits from sous vide because you cook the meat accurately all the way through. That's the beauty of it. And, and it cooks extremely accurately, holds the yield of the product. So you actually get a better cooked product. Um, and, and, so and, and so not only do they do that, but then one of the, the other reasons they do it is because it's to stop steaks coming back. You know, a restaurant shouldn't really, a good steak restaurant shouldn't really ask you to cut, cut into your steak. You know, I don't know if you've been to a steak restaurant, but some of them will sometimes they'll sit you down, they'll, they'll bring the steak to you and they'll say, you know, please cut into it and make sure it's right. They shouldn't. I. I. This is. This is my personal preference. I have to say. They shouldn't really be asking you to do that, you know. But they do, and and it's to stop. Yeah, that's, people that's saying, a band aid for the fact that you've got second rate cooks and right, yeah. inexperienced cooks. Right. Um, You're just highlighting the issue, right, by saying, "Please cut in and make sure it's right." And so, um, and so, it's to stop people saying this is not cooked right. So, but then and then they, you know, they can say, "Well, you you wanted that medium rare." that was cooked to 132 degrees Fahrenheit or whatever, whatever it was. And so what they, and so the only thing with sous vide cooking you have to do is particularly with proteins is when it comes out, when it comes out of the bag, um, that it's still, it doesn't look, it doesn't look that edible. It just needs a little color, a little life. So what restaurants are doing now is because they know what the sous vide technique gives them. So they can start the cooking process earlier in the day, hold that product, and when the order comes in, they can then take the bot product out of the bag and just finish it, a little sear, give it a little sear either side, and then they serve it. And so, and so restaurants now, good restaurants, you know, we were, I was at a restaurant with my wife uh, the other night and she, you know, she, and we, we could see the front of the restaurant. It was quite a nice restaurant. And, and she said, you know, is that where the cooking goes on? We started talking about it. I said, no, that's, that's basically just the finishing. What we see here, the front of that restaurant, what they're doing right there, Everything is pre-cooked. I don't know when it was pre-cooked, but it, I'm assuming it was maybe probably a lot of it was sous vide. And then they bring that stuff out. When the orders come in, they bring the stuff out and they just simply finish it. And the chef is plated. And then the chef just gives it the final look and then it's and then it's released. Yeah, I, I had a summer job cooking um, for two summers during college. And the skill is getting all of the orders at a table to finish at exactly the same time. That's not a trivial thing. And not every junior cook learns fast enough at one of these steak restaurants. Uh, absolutely. And, and it's, it, yes. Then uh, I'm going to shift gears. And what about banquet food? When you're serving 150 plates of chicken and trying to keep it from being a rubber chicken dinner. 
Yeah. I mean, there is, I have to say, the kitchen equipment of today, it's come a long way. You know, and, and where kitchens are going, the kitchens of the, of the future, the kitchens are going to become smaller. I mean, they're in Europe where arguably, you, you know, they're 10 years ahead of kitchens here. You know, as far as, as far as the food that comes out, the, the, the kitchens are half the size. Yeah. They and rely the on better. And the food's better. And, the, and yes, I, I don't I hate to say it, but yeah, yes. Um, and I got an education in that coming into this industry as well, because I, I came from outside of the food service industry into this. And and uh, and so a lot of the, the techniques and a lot of the equipment will, first of all, start off in Europe. Um, but I think, you know, one of the, you know, one of the differences is between in, in Europe and here is Europe started off with a lot, a lot less space, you know, for, you know, whereas here, a lot more space, big kit, these big kitchens, big kitchens. I mean, you look at some of these kitchens, some of these restaurants, um, and it's just, you know, it's not needed. And so what restaurants are doing now or newer restaurants are doing now, or the design of them is the restaurants are a lot, the, the, the kitchens are a lot smaller. Because they now know that if I make the kitchen smaller, that means I can make the dining room bigger. That means I, you know, that's more value to me because if I can add two more tables, that equals X amount of revenue every year. Think about it. You just sell a vacuum sealer, but now you're selling efficiency, you're selling food waste, you're selling customer satisfaction because the steaks aren't coming back and you're getting more tables in the restaurant, all because you sell just a little old vacuum sealer. And, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Right? Absolutely. So this whole cloud of of great customer outcomes come as a result of your being able to prepare food uh, using some innovative technology. Yeah. And and the funny thing is it's been around, it's been around for a long time, you know. Um, but so a quick story um, in regards to food waste was that I um, we when schools were having to send food home with the kids, during the pandemic, you know, um, we were working with a, a food management group that serviced a lot of schools and we piloted a couple of schemes for them to be able to take packaged food home. Um, and then we started to look at the business as a whole, what else can the vacuum, because typically vacuum packaging, uh, hasn't been very popular within schools because, you know, arguably the, the food quality, you know, there wasn't really much sort of held to, you know, the reducing waste because of the cost of the food. But anyway, so we, we, we did a pilot scheme and then we, we, and then after we worked with them and we, we sort of ran some numbers with them and, and sort of helped them use the equipment efficiently, they, they figured out that they reduced their food waste by 3%. Now, 3% doesn't sound like a lot, but 3% equals right across the board, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars to the bottom line profit every year. So they realized that, you know, just by having, expending, you know, four or $5,000 in equipment and then probably, you know, uh, ongoing in packaging, which they already were spending packaging, but in a different type of packaging. So that, that bill was already there, that they would save, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So the bottom line every year, just 3% at really not really pushing what this could do. 3% was an easy number to achieve. That's that's astounding. And then if they had started converting from the, the food service prepackaged foods, which are relatively expensive, to doing some of that themselves in bulk uh, at a commercial kitchen, uh, the food cost goes down and they're able to do a little bit more. Now that you've got these vacuum sealers, you don't have to buy uh, the, the food service chicken patties. You can do this instead.
and then and then and then and then you don't need to buy the clamshells type things that you know they come you know and they t- and those clamshells you have to buy thousands of those and you have to have a room specially to store them yeah right because they take up so much room you know whereas a bag a thousand a thousand bags you know takes up very little space you yeah. know uh, i just want to just highlight too that uh our initiative this year has been that we we, we now offer 100 recyclable vacuum bags which i know people sometimes say well you know using all this plastic we actually do you know we're, we've got we're the only company now that has a 100 recyclable us sort of usda certified product in the us um that's great that that actually makes me want one of your machines even worse yeah. um <laughs> so I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, when you came into the U.S. market, you had to establish a channel with a lot of manufacturers, reps. And during the, the COVID <clears throat> shakeup, you had to get closer to commercial kitchens to understand how their needs were changing and how to change your messaging, how to uh, communicate all these great benefits. And you had this, if you will, handicap that that manufacturer's rep and your your distribution network, uh, which gets you a lot of geographic coverage really fast, but it adds a layer between you and your customers. So what are you doing to manage that challenge that the, the, the advantage of having a rep network um, comes with a disadvantage? How do you manage that challenge? Yeah, it's a, it, it is a challenge. I mean, and just to give you a, a highlights on that, so it is you have the manufacturer you have the manufacturer's rep group you have the dealer the dealer and then you have the end user outside of that you also have service providers you know the parts we have a parts supplier that we that that handle all our parts and they're the ones that dispatch service if the service is required um and then you have multiple buying groups that some dealers are associated with and some aren't um, and then you have an online, this is just the food service. And then you have a, 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 a software system that all, that a lot of dealers that a lot of dealers are, um, sign up for. So you have to be a member of this quoting system, which is a lot of money, tens of thousands of dollars every year, just to put your products on. So it's a very busy space. And I don't think sometimes the end user realizes how many steps that they have to go has to go through before they even get a price for the product and so it it sounds dysfunctional and it probably is and it, it, does, it but it does work it does work <laughs> um i just want you to you know just sort of outline that i wasn't used to that coming into this i when someone told me this i just you know i said well why do we need manufacturers reps why don't i just work with distributors you know having said that after working with the manufacturers reps that we have, the network that we have, I, I, I know now because the cost of us bearing that would be huge. You know, our manufacturers reps actually do a great job and they're doing more and more for us because dealers, you know, they are really the transaction in all this. You know, they're the ones that make the transaction. They do have the relationships and we do have some really good relationships. Sorry, they have the relationships in regards to a lot of end users. And they bring a lot of end users to us. Um, and we have some very good dealers that we work with. Only, you know, out of the 100 dealers that we have, there's probably a 10, 20 that we work very closely with and have a good, I would say, a good solid relationship. 
The manufacturers reps out of all this, they really are an extension of our sales force and they really get their hands dirty. I mean, a lot of the time because you, we, our product would be considered an educational piece. Yep. You know, or dealers don't really want to get involved with that because they've, you know, they're, they're, they're off selling stuff, which is everyday stuff, stuff that they know, you know, the, the, the fryers, the burners, the, the glassware, the plateware, the silverware, that stuff which no, is- That takes no work yeah. and no education. Exactly. That. Exactly. But then knowing, you know, then knowing our product as well as all this, you know, refrigeration and all that, you know, it's okay. I get it. It's, it's a tough one. So they, that's where they rely on manufacturers reps to come in. And that's where the manufacturer relies on manufacturers reps. Now there are lots of manufacturing rep groups out there. Not all of them are best suited to us. Some of them are best suited to front of house and some of them best suited to other parts of more everyday equipment. So we have to work with the ones that sort of value, you know, the piece of equipment that we offer. Um, and also, and when, when we're looking for a manufacturer rep, I look at the type of equipment they sell and to see if they've got the other equipment that marry up to ours, that work well with ours. Like a, I mentioned blast chiller. Blast chiller is an obvious one. that They work well with a vacuum sealer. There's these other technologies called combi ovens, which I'm sure will eventually make their way into the home. A combi oven can basically do everything. It can smoke, steam, as well as be a regular oven. Um, and it has all these other great benefits. And um, and so they these these those particular type pieces of equipment marry up well with ours. So I look for a we look for a manufacturer's rep that offer those types of equipment. And and then also there's there's brands within that you know the all different brands of this equipment. So and I know that by looking at a manufacturer's rep just by the brands that they sometimes offer, that they will work well for us because I know that certain brands will hold um the manufacturer's reps feet to the fire and if a manufacturer's rep can hold on to that brand for for a while then i know that they're doing something right as far as the educational piece so my job or our job really is to make sure that the manufacturers reps are happy right and 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 what i think we do well myself a pat on the back is that we understand where we are in that relationship we understand the game that we need to play, you know? And I think if, and what I mean by that is, is if I, if we went in there, like some brands do with manufacturers reps and almost bully them, um, then the manufacturers reps going to turn around and say, why do I, why do I need you? You know, you don't pay my bills, you know, you know, you, you, you know, we make some money, but we don't make that much money for you to give us, for us to give you this much time and attention. So we have to, you know, particularly in the beginning, we really had to juggle that. You know, now we're in a position where our manufacturers reps do very well for us. Um, and we make, you know, we, they make decent money and margins from, from selling our product. Having said that, our job is to make sure we take care of them because in, in doing that, they take care of us. So if they need something and, and you know, we often, I'll often talk to many manufacturers reps if things come up. And ideas come up and just to see whether that is a common thread and if it's a common thread then then we we put it into action and we like to put it into action fairly quickly to keep them motivated because we keep them motivated it keeps it keeps their keeps our brand at the top of their top of their list financially we give them a good incentive plans to do well realistic incentive plans not just you know some sort of pie in the sky that 
it may if you hit this number you if you hit this number you're going to get a lot of money but it's an unrealistic number it's a realistic number um but making sure that they have all the tools is also very important and that you know that they're comfortable talking about the product really important yeah i was talking to and those of you who have been listening to my podcast go back to evan dash of storebound uh, who makes housewares and he called it storebound because he wanted to build a company that was a retailer's best friend even though he was making consumer products that had to be great for consumers he wanted to make sure that his people and processes were built around being great for his channel and so here's duncan doing the same thing uh he just happens to have a little bit more complicated channel going to those um going to his end users who are who are businesses and realizing that you can't just add value into that commercial kitchen you have to add value to everybody who gets it into the commercial kitchen uh huge lesson yeah yeah um so yeah thanks for that any anything else you want to add we're at like we've been going for a while and it's been a great conversation Duncan tell us anything else that you think it's important that I didn't ask or and you think it's important for us to know uh no I think we we pretty much covered it um it's an interesting time within the you know for everybody you know and 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 food service and I just I think you know, I think on the other side of food service, we're sort of getting on the other side of this pandemic. Um, I think good things are happening. I think from from our point of view, people are, are now seeing the value in vacuum sealing, which is, you know, for us has been a benefit. Um, and now I think because of, because of things like the pandemic and people sort of changing their mindset on food and how it gets delivered, I think you'll only see a better food product. In restaurants um ironic but brilliant um isn't it great that uh I've, I've heard over and over again from many people in many different businesses that we knew we had to make this change but the pandemic gave us the impetus to do what we kind of knew kind of knew what we always had to um duncan thank you so much for sharing your time your experiences no problem. Anytime. I appreciate appreciate for having me on and look forward to catching up soon. If people want to get a hold of you, is there a way they should or should they? Can you uh, give them a pitch for Henkelman uh, for, for your website? How would you like to have people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more, or getting to know you? Yes, yeah, you show you the, the website is a, you know, the, our marketing team do a great job on the website. So Henkelman.com forward slash US is a great place to start. Um, we do actually have a really good YouTube site, which it's, it's a best, I guess it's the best kept secret is if you go to YouTube and then search for Henkelman USA, there's two Henkelmans, but Henkelman USA, we have a bunch of, uh, how to videos, you know, um, which show how you can infuse, um, infuse alcohol into things like fun things like infuse alcohol into fruits using a vacuum sealer. And then blast freeze those pieces of fruit, and then they can be used for your uh, cocktails, basically. Ooh. So lots of little things like that. There's, and so those are great resources, and there's all there's contact information on there as well. Super. Well, Duncan, thanks again. I uh, really appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on this episode of the Value Clarity Podcast, where 
we harp over and over that value only exists in your customer's mind, which means that sales and marketing is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought. Thanks and have a high value day. Well, it ain't easy because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues because you'll be singing those old don't know value This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.